Well, hello, friends, and welcome once again to another episode of the 360 Experience. I'm your host, Tim Brahim, and today is a day where I get to have a conversation with a dear friend, a very special guest who I've known for a short period of time, only about three years. But boy, have I really grown to admire who Chris Ledley is as a human being. I want to tell you a little bit about this episode because it is full of a variety of topics that I think are incredibly timely to today's market and one that you're definitely going to want to listen to in its entirety. So sit down and, and make sure you take some great notes. Chris started in the mortgage business in 2002. Uh, you're going to hear that story in terms of how he fell into it starting with Bank of America. And then he, he worked his way up uh, as an originator uh, in, in 2015, transitioned full-time into being a leader uh, for large companies such as Cobalt, uh, which then became Caliber. Um, and now he is a uh, owner and divisional president of Neo Home Loans. So Chris brings not only a wealth of experience from having been in the industry for a long time, but he's been on several sides of the coin. In our conversation today, we're going to talk about the mindset that is required to be successful in today's market. What he's seeing from top originators that are still doing well, even with rates as high as they are and inventory as low as it is. We're going to talk about how to really set up a plan to master your mindset and the importance of the game being one between the ears, so to speak. Right now is a, is a precious time in the market where controlling our temperament, controlling our energy, uh, selecting the things that we are going to allow ourselves to focus on is so incredibly vital. And we're going to get into a lot of that. Chris is going to talk to us about his morning routine and how that sets him up for success. Um, we're going to talk a lot about leadership. We're going to talk about the difference between having a employee mindset as a loan originator and an entrepreneurial mindset as an originator and why that is so incredibly important. For those of you that are leaders, we're going to talk about recruiting. For those of you that are originators that are thinking about leaving your company, we're going to talk about what you need to be looking out for if you're being recruited and if you want to find a new home. Finally, we're going to talk about something um, near the end of this conversation that is so incredibly valuable that I really want to encourage you to make sure that you're listening to, which is Chris's relationship with his father. Um, it's a very intimate story. Um, and it involves how he has been very intentional with the subject matter of presence because he doesn't have that many more moments left with his dad. I, I know you're going to enjoy this episode. And before I bring Chris into the conversation, I just want to say thank you for listening to this episode. I want to thank you for being a subscriber to the 360 Experience Podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please do. It's how... Uh, we get great guests to come onto the show is by having a lot of subscribers. If um, if you like this episode, please give us a like. Please forward it on to somebody else who you think would find it to be valuable. Uh, and if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, please make some comments. And without further ado, uh, I introduce you to my dear friend, Chris Ledley. Leds, what's up, brother? Hey, Jimmy. How are you, buddy? I'm great, man. It was really nice to spend some time with you yesterday. It was. That was a uh, that was a good time. Yeah. Thank you again for all your help. Um, looking forward to this conversation, man. Um, I want to just 
just dive right in so so the listeners could get meat and value right out of the gate. I mean, as I said in my intro of you, you've been you know, you've been in this business for a long time and you, know, you started in 2002, I believe. Um, and and I, and I think, you know, somebody that's been in the business for, you know, 21 years like you have uh, brings a tremendous amount of value just by sheer experience alone. I mean, um, you know, it, it's one thing to like read a textbook on things, listen to podcasts, uh, to go to, to conferences and to hear theory. And it's an entirely different thing to just go through the experience of of having been in the mortgage business through cycles, right? So uh, you, you obviously were in the business in, in you know, 2008, 2009, and now we're going through you know, a very, very challenging time here in uh, the latter part of 2022, excuse me, 2023, when this is being recorded, going into 2024. And um, you know, I, I think we should just start with what, what are the things that you're seeing successful originators doing in this market? You know, you, you lead a lot of people. Maybe you can give us a little bit of a background on how many people are underneath you. Uh, I know that that number has shrunk due to attrition in the industry. Give us a perspective on how many people you've led ultimately at, at, at its peak. Um, and, and, you know, what are you seeing in successful originators right now that are, that are still making loans happen? Let's start there. Yeah, what a uh, what a great place to kick it off from, you know. If I if I go back, I started like you said my career in two thousand and two, and I'll just give a, a quick story about how this had always been a dream of mine, not really to be in the mortgage industry. But I came out to Southern California after I'd finished school at Arizona State to visit a buddy of mine, and uh, I was out for a couple of days. And my dad called and he said, "Hey, what's what's your plan? When are you coming back to Texas? Uh, you you got to start looking for a job." And I'm like, "Well, I'm out here. I might live in California. We'll see." And he's like. As long as you can figure out how to fund it, you're good to go. And so I remember going to the bank and walking up to the teller. And I said to the teller, I was like, I, uh, I got to check how much money I have in my account. And it was like $330 or $340. And that's all I had to my name. And she looks and she's like, what's the matter? And I'm like, I guess I'm going to have to go back to Texas. I thought I was going to get to hang out here in California for a little bit, but uh, I don't have any money. And my dad basically has cut me off completely. And so I've got to go home and get a job. And she right there on the spot was like, you should just do mortgage. Those guys look like they're having so much fun. They make a lot of money. And she walked me over and introduced me to somebody that was in, that was in mortgage. I ended up talking to him for you know, 20, 30 minutes and he hired me on the spot. So that's how I got into the business um, initially. And as we know, that run 2002, three, four, five, it was, uh, it's it a, was good a stretch. really, really good stretch there to start yeah. the business. And I was surrounded by other great um, originators that were very abundant. I didn't know it at the time. I just thought this is the way people operated because they just shared. We all collaborated together, celebrated together. Um, and we evolved um, to where my, my business grew just as, a, as an originator. And then in 2008, obviously we know things came crashing down. So that was my real first time that I faced challenge in the business, like adversity and challenge and like not knowing what to do. And so as I, as I think about the question you asked, right? Like what was it in that moment not dissimilar from this moment right now that caused some of my best years actually to be 11, 12, 13, as we were coming out of that. And a few, a few things happened and I'm seeing the same thing here, a laser focus on the things you can control. Right. And what I mean by that is, you know, I very similar to originators today had got this illusion of what my value was based on the production numbers that I had put up in those years. 
right? Very similar to the 2020, 2021 that originators are feeling now. And so I remember feeling this moment of like, my gosh, am I even in the right business anymore? Like I, I'm, I'm failing miserably. And I shifted my focus to say, okay, what can I do in this moment right now? Where does the opportunity lie? And it literally was just like relentless around the activities that I could control. Very similar to today, what I would say the best of the best are doing, they are focused exclusively on the activities that might not be yielding the same amount of results that they were, you know, two, three years ago, but they know that that is the place that if they spend their energy and time, it's going to set them up for success in the future. Well said. So summarization that I'm hearing you say is that we need to change our measuring stick. Um, a, a, a market like 20, uh, 2002, 2003, 2004, you know, uh, just as the market of 2020, 21, 22 can create kind of almost a false sense of security as to what this is really all about. Like, it's just too easy to the extent that we get conditioned to think that this is how it's always going to be. And it always happens this way. It turns on a dime. I mean, I think this time it happened even more abruptly than in most cases, but it always turns quick. It gets bad real quick, leaves a lot of originators kind of caught in lead boots where they're still measuring their success on how many loans they locked and, um, you know, how many people called them from their past client database proactively, et cetera. And all of a sudden, when that comes to a screeching halt, people start to panic. So when you talk about the things that you can control, I want to dive deeper there because I think this is this is such an important point that you're making. Um, if we are fixated on the things that we cannot control, we're really setting ourselves up for disappointment, frustration, and, and fear. Um, but there are things, aren't there, that you can actually control. And if you measure success on those things and, and kind of create a new definition of success, which our, our buddy Josh Burroughs had talked about in, in my episode with him almost a year ago now, um, that can shift things and, and, and kind of give you a little bit more bounce in your step. So what are some of the things that you are advising the originators that you oversee to focus on right now that they can control? And let's go into the specifics on that. Yeah, so one of the things, and I got to give Craig Strent credit for this, um, he implemented years ago with Apex, the 40-point tracker. We have re-imaged it and focused it on, okay, what are the things in this very moment in time we can focus on? And a lot of them are, you know, connecting with our past clients, right? Having meaningful conversations, setting the stage for, you know, future opportunity, education around that, uh, our referral partners, how are we connecting with them? education for ourselves, right? What are we doing to sharpen our own acts? Um, so it's really the activities as opposed to, I think about in the years past, it's how many leads do we have coming in? How many fundings do we have, right? So I'm shifting now to say, let's go back in the, in the, in the stage to the activities that actually are going to lead to those future states. Okay, so let's let's drill down a little deeper on that last one because I don't think this is talked about enough and I'm a huge believer in it. It's that education piece. So what are some of the things that originators can be doing right now to educate themselves? And before you answer that, what I want to share with those that are that are with us today is we should not underestimate the psychological component of how we feel about ourselves. I mean, I, I used to say somewhat curtly as a, as a public speaker many years ago, you know, when you don't know shit, you know, I mean, you know, there's no escaping it, you know, inside yourself, if you're, if you're like, Hey, you know what, I'm kind of only half educated here. You're going to have call reluctance. You're going to have resistance. You're not going to feel good about yourself. You're going to have a difficult time having the, the type of certainty to give advice, et cetera. So 
as it relates to this topic of educating yourself, what are some things that you're suggesting to originators right now to do to, to not only become better at your trade, but maybe more importantly, to feel good about your knowledge? Because I think that's a key component. Yeah, so I, I would break it down into a couple different categories. One, I think overall financial literacy. The role of the mortgage advisor has evolved so much to where if you're not educating your clients, you're becoming more and more irrelevant, right? You've got a commoditized product. So there's, you know, Barry Abib has a CMA course that's out there. Gibran has CMPS. I think those are great financial literacy courses to help us be able to be confident in the advice and guidance that we're giving broadly to our clients. So that's one pillar of it. The other thing that I think is important, especially in this time right now, is that we're well informed about what's happening in the markets, right? So I make it a common practice that I am, you know, reading about what's going on in the MBS market. I'm reading about what's going on in the economy. I'm reading about what's going on from a from a social standpoint, right? And I'm not talking about like the, the news that's going to get me spun out. I'm talking very specific to educate myself so I can have those conversations about why the market is behaving this way. What do we see into the future that's going to happen? So that would be a second pillar. And then the third pillar is, you know, I for for years I was I was never the guy that really read read books. And it sounds funny to say that now, but like I just I never I, I felt like I was so busy I didn't have time for it. But now with audiobooks and podcasts, what I'll do is I'll make it a, a, a part of my routine now when I'm exercising or when I'm out on a walk that I'm listening to an audiobook or I'm listening to a, a podcast. And I try to really make that something that is, you know, positive from a mindset or causing me to think in different ways to really expand the way that, you know, my my, my view on, you know, just my life in general is. So what I'm hearing is the word, the word I just wrote down on my notepad here is a lot of intentionality. Right. Like so being very intentional with what you allow yourself to take in. And you're right. There's a super razor thin fine line between taking in content that's going to spin you out and bum you out. Um, you know, at the time of this recording, we're what, six days into the war in Israel with Hamas. It's really easy to go down that rabbit hole. I, I don't under any circumstances want to come off as insensitive and say you shouldn't take in that content. I'm saying that take in the amount of that content that is necessary for you to feel informed, to feel compassionate and empath empathetic to the situation, um, but not anything more than that, because before you know it, it can just consume you, can't it? I mean, like during the early days of the pandemic. Yeah, uh, you and I were actually having a conversation about this. We just need to be aware of the impact, the content that we're absorbing has on us, right? And if we get finished with it and it creates this like, almost like an irritation or a frustration, take note of that, right? Like, hey, maybe this isn't healthy for me. This isn't serving me. And so that for me has been really healthy and not to pivot too much, but social media was something like that for me. I found that I would kind of get entangled in it. And then when I would get finished, I wouldn't feel better. Like it, it was something I actually felt like, gosh, I just wasted time. I'm, I'm, I'm more triggered easily now. So like I've been very, very intentional in noting the things that I'm consuming, what the impact is to me, you know, mentally and physically. Okay, I want to go a little deeper on both these topics. So the first is the consumption, the intentional consumption of content associated with our industry, such as mm -hmm. MBS Highway, uh, you mentioned CMPS, um, you mentioned learning about mortgage-backed securities. Um, and then I want to talk about some of the podcasts and books that you read from a mindset perspective. But let's start with you know, the, the content you know, uh, that pertains to this industry. So What's the actionable 
components to that. Like it's one thing to, you know, listen to Barry's, you know, morning market update, which is certainly, you know, incredibly valuable. It's one, it's another thing to, you know, get your CMPS certification and taking Gibran's content as an example, uh, and the CMA content from Barry. But what do you then do with the absorption of that content to use it as a valuable catalyst um, in your business? Is there anything in particular that you suggest as it relates to that? Yeah, I love that. So I'm, I'm going to approach it from two different angles. One, my role as a leader in engaging with my loan officers. Um, and in that capacity, what I'm finding myself doing is I'm having informative conversations with them and it'll be more like, you know, hey, I just want to learn what your take is on this. And so it helps me gauge what their ability is to actually communicate or articulate this to their, you know, referral partners and to their clients. And so it's it's from an education standpoint, I am transferring knowledge um, through, you know, the things that I'm taking into them, which helps solidify it for me, my deeper understanding of it. The loan officer, the originator side, it's the same thing. I'm asking them to go out and have con conversations with their clients, educate them, ask them questions, teach on this to your referral partners. That's the best way to really, really have this be a concrete understanding is you go out and you teach this to somebody else. You know, that's a that's such a key part of it, because, it, again, if you're just taking in the content, but you're not developing the skills to communicate it, to to articulate it and use it mm -hmm. as as a value proposition, then it is to some extent almost a waste. I mean, your, your wisdom is being, you know, withheld rather than delivered. So um, you guys practice on each other a lot, don't you? So yeah, tell us so, a little bit about that and game film and those types of things, because I think that's super important for people to hear. Yeah. So at, at Neo, one of the, the core kind of ethos of who we are is, is, is around collaboration. And I share with you the group that I originally, when I got into the industry, I just thought that was normal, that everybody collaborated, celebrated, you know, bounced ideas off of each other. And then I found out, wow, this, in this industry is really siloed. People are very, very, you know, scarce about their ideas and think that nobody else has anything out there and they're not going to share it. And it just, that never landed with me. And so, you know, when we came together with, you know, the group at Neo, one of the things that we, that I saw was these guys are all abundant teachers and the, and we get better by, you know, Ryan coming and sharing his view or the way he approaches something, you know, Josh and Danny and Mark doing the same thing. And what happened was all of a sudden, it wasn't just one of us that was teaching and sharing the community. The rest of our originators started saying, hey, I took what you guys did and I tried it, but I put this little spin on it and I recorded it when I was talking to my clients. So we'll send that out and we'll share that within the community. And it's just, it's really powerful because a couple of things happen out of that. One, we all get better because we're learning from one another and we're up-leveling our approach. But the other thing is, it's one of those things that for the person watching that content, they're like, oh, wow, I could do that. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like that, that's possible, right? So it's almost that four-minute mile thing, right? Once we see it done, it becomes possible. And I'm looking at like, not, not in a condescending way, but I'm like, oh, if that person can do it, I can do it, right? And so it creates this pull that it pulls the community to all get better together. Yeah, so I, I think that, you know, everyone joining us in this conversation should give serious consideration to how do I how do I take this information associated with the market? First of all, how do I make sure that I'm tapped into this information? I mean, that's number one. You have to have these tools. And then number two is once you're absorbing this content and carving out a certain amount of time on a daily basis to take it in in the morning before your day gets crazy, what are you then doing with it to practice the um 
the application of it. And, and some of that can be exactly what you said. I mean, I used to, I'll, I'll, I'll break it down into a much more rudimentary way because I go way back before there was, you know, Zoom calls, but I go sit in, uh, you know, some of my loan originators offices back in the day when I, when I had my own mortgage company and I, if I had a spare 15 to 30 minutes and they were on a call, I'd go in and listen with a yellow legal pad on my lap and I'd take notes of things that they were saying, oh, that's a great line right there. I'm going to insert that. I mean, that's how you get better. But in today's day and age, I mean, that's a very brilliant strategy, which is, hey, let's make sure that we're recording our sessions when we're consulting with clients and sharing it with each other so we can learn from each other. So that's, that's fantastic. Anything you want to add before we pivot to the, to the mindset stuff? No, let's pivot. Okay, so as it relates to the content that you're taking in on your morning walks, when you're working out, we'll get into your morning routine in a little bit because I know you're a big advocate of that. What's the, what's the stuff that you feel is healthy for you? Give us an idea as to the types of books that you're listening to and reading and the types of podcasts. Yeah, you know, what's been interesting is it's a constant evolution depending on where I am at a given time. Right. And that can be on the personal side, that can be on the business side. And, you know, here through the through the environment that we're in now, I'm finding that it's a lot of mindset. Right. It's a lot of, you know, how do I shut out the negative noise and make sure that like the things that I'm feeding up here. Right. Like one of my favorite quotes is the quote that goes, you know, watch your thoughts. They become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your behaviors. Your behavior becomes your character and your character becomes your destiny. Right. So. I got to watch what's what's going on up here very, very first if I'm going to control the way I'm coming across to everybody else, the way that I'm, you know, you know, feeling about myself. And so during this time, I found a lot of the things that I'm consuming are really around what can I do to sharpen that skill? Um, you know, obviously, I love your podcast. You've got, you know, some, some great friends of mine that are on that I get insight about them that I didn't even know, you know, things like that is really cool to see. And then, you know, people that I've never met that you've had on. So I really, really like the way that you approach, you know, having conversations with, you know, people that I respect. Um, you know, I like Ed Milet. He's been a he's been a great one, you know, always has some really, really good guests on his shows. Um, but from a, a book standpoint, I'll give you one right now that really, really has resonated recently. It's called The Gap in the Gain by Dan Sullivan. And the concept in this book is, you know, we are at a given point in time and we have this destination that we think we want to get to. That's the gain. That's the gap, right? Where we are today and where we want to get to. But we've also come from somewhere and that's the gain that we've made. Too often, what we're focused on is the gap where we're trying to get. And, you know, once I get to this place, I'll be happy. You know, once I get, you know, once I achieve this status, then that's the point that I can celebrate. And as you know, and, you know, we've seen in our lives, that goalpost always moves. And if it's really just about the destination that we're focused on, it's a life of misery. It's a life of let down. And so this helped me reframe in an easy way to think about look back and celebrate what we've accomplished. And it's it's not dissimilar from, you know, we started talking about the 40-point tracker, finding the wins that we have. When I focus on the game, I look back, I'm like, my gosh, like, look at all that I've accomplished. And I'm sitting here whining or complaining about the fact that I just need to get this much further, but I've come this far. And so that concept in the gap in the game was one that really resonated with me recently. That's, a, that's I you know, Mark uh, told me, Mark Robertson told me about that book. I have yet to read it. Um, you know, when you go back to the uh, the contemplation that you listened to last week in Park City at the retreat, that's what Sam yeah. Harris. That's what Sam Harris was talking about, which is we're always stepping over the present moment 
to try to find that destination in the future where we could be happy. But if we're constantly always stepping over the present moment, the present moment is where happiness exists. I mean, right now. And what I love about what you're saying is you're saying, let's just stop right now and reflect backwards on all that we have accomplished. And, and what that gives you is confidence and some momentum and some belief that there is a future waiting for you that can be manifest. However, it can only be manifest with the things going back to the very first thing you said that you can control right now. So like being fixated on the present moment and things that you can control right now are going to get you to the future that you want to be at. But if we're constantly always striving for something in the future, we're going to, we're going to be frustrated. Um, I love that. So, um, and I love the fact that you brought up Ed Milet. Um, I've listened to some of his podcasts. That's a great one. I think that right now, you know, feeding our mind with positive thoughts is of paramount importance. I mean, this is a game that the market we're in right now can only be won between our ears, period. Like that's where the game is being played. What is your mindset? What is your energy? What are you allowing yourself to focus on? What are you getting out of your purview? You know, we talked about this again last week in Park City about the seductions and the distractions. What are the things that kind of, you know, draw you down that rabbit hole, that mess you up, that get you into a negative tailspin? So identifying those things right now, and those include not just, you know, political events and things that are happening in the economy, but also that fixation on an old belief system that it's about how many loans I locked this week. You know, we need to become a master of our thought processes. So, um, Let's talk about your morning routine a little bit because it feels like it's it's the right time to go into that because we're kind of tiptoeing around it. So how do you start your day? What's your belief about a morning routine? Do you have an evening routine as well? I mean, what are you doing to set yourself up for success and win this battle between the years that we're talking about? Yeah, so I would say that this was this is the single most transform transformational thing that I've done in my life. And I know that sounds like a very, very bold statement, but to sum it up, I've recognized that the way I start my day, and if I optimize my mindset and my energy, I'm going to show up throughout the day as such a more effective, such a more influential, such a more fulfilled individual. And so I look at it and I'm like, okay, well, what are those things that are going to lead to me getting into an optimized state? And the first introduction that I had to this was um, a book I read by Hal Elrod called The Miracle Morning. And to really, really boil it down, his his process is a acronym, SAVERS, S for silence, A for affirmation, V for visualization, E for exercise, R for reading, and S for scribing or journaling. And when I first did this, I really, really leaned in heavily and I was like, okay, I'm going to do all these things and I'm just going to commit to doing this for, you know, 30 days. And it was a ton of work. Like I remember getting up and just being like, I don't really want to do this. But I said, I'm going to commit to doing this for 30 days. And so I did it for 30 days, followed the exact process with each one of those different areas. And after 30 days, I was like, okay, I tried that. That worked pretty well, but I just don't, I don't know if this is for me. And I remember specifically that next Monday that I did not follow the routine. Tuesday, I didn't follow it. And I, and I felt the way that I felt, like, like, like my energy just shifted. I was way shorter. I was not as efficient and I was way more reactive in my day. And I was like, holy shit, there's something to this. 
you know, because I had gone back to my day to where I just picked my phone up first thing. I started checking emails and the wheels started spinning, but not in a good direction. And so what evolved from that is, and in, in, in if I look at my morning routine from when I first started, you know, eight, 10 years ago doing that to now, um, it's changed based on what I need at that time and me constantly checking in to see, okay, what is the most impactful to align me to that most optimal state that I can have in a day? So uh, today, right now, my morning routine consists of this. I wake up. First thing I do is, is hydration. Um, you know, it's funny. I remember Ryan Grant telling me about it. I'm like, hydration. I'm like, well, just grab a cup of coffee. Why do I need hydration? And I started doing it. It was one of those things. Now, if I don't do it, I notice a difference. I'm tighter. Like, you know, I'm not as clear. My energy is not does not get up and going as quickly. So I hydrate first thing. Then I'll go into uh, breath work. I follow kind of the Wim Hof breath work. And that's one that I would have never thought that for me would have been something that was powerful, but there's something about it just energizes my body, but it calms my mind. So it's, it's, it's a strange combination, right? So body is energized, mind is calm. And then I go into meditation from there. Um, I'll do anywhere, depending on the time I have anywhere from a 10 to 20 minute meditation. From there, I'll go into gratitude, you know, just three simple things, which I learned from you. What are three things you're grateful for? And I had introduced at one time what's something I'm proud of myself for. And I can we can talk about that. I won't derail too much, but I've struggled, you know, a lot of my life with feeling like I'm enough, feeling like I'm worthy. And so that was a, a powerful process that's helped me, you know, overcome and, and work to get better in that area. From there, I have to move, right? I have to get some sort of exercise in. So to do that entire morning routine, if I have the optimal amount of time, I'm probably two hours or so. Um, but what I recognize is when I travel mornings that I've got to get up and have an early meeting, I would make the excuse, shit, I don't have time to do it. So I do nothing. Right. And I would set myself off. So what I've created as well is a super abbreviated version. If I can only do a couple key things, what are those things? Right. And it's I got to do my breath work. I want to sit and get some silence. So even if it's a two to three minute meditation and then I want to make sure that I get some movement in as well. So I'll, I'll go out, I'll go for a, a quick jog. I'll do something to get cardio just to get my heart pumping. If I do that, my consistency in this carries me through even on those days that I have a maybe a less of a of a focus on that morning routine. Well, hello, friends, and I hope that you're enjoying this episode of the 360 Experience podcast. To listen to the remainder of this episode, please visit us at The Loan Atlas, where you will also find the most comprehensive resource for mortgage professionals to build their practice, backed by the greatest faculty that's ever been assembled in the mortgage industry. Check us out at the link below or go to theloanatlas.com. Look forward to having you as a guest on our next episode of the 360 Experience Podcast.